Play us in, Jim. And welcome to the After Improv Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Augusti, here as always with the wizard, the warrior, and the maiden true, Jim Harper, John Yar, and Heather Anonymous. After Improv, as you may or may not know, is a podcast created by Detroit improvisers, students, uh, who would go out to the bar and talk all the time and thought, let's record it so the FBI will stop having to. You know, Tony, one day you're going to have to stop calling us students because we're going to become masters of our destiny. John, to be a master, you can never see yourself as a master. You have to be the student to become the master. Mm-hmm. And the master to become the student. It's a circle. Does anybody have any more kung fu lines they want to recite? No. Okay. I like Jim how like holds back on his laughter during the podcast. I'm like, nobody can see you holding back on your laughter. Um, <laughs> anyway, we have a very special guest. We've teased him. Uh, I mean, we've teased to him incessantly. He, he thought we were teasing yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. We got in his head somehow, but it seems like it's pretty easy to do, as you'll see. See, I'm already making it worse. He's just staring at me now. But Nobody can see that. He huh? was our first, <laughs> yeah, he was our first scheduled guest, and he never came on for reasons we still don't know. It just didn't work out. It was, there's no, it was all love. There was no beef. And, but now he finally made it. The public demanded it. He's gotten a lot of tweets and uh, Snapchats and Instagrams. Letter bombs. And Weibo's. I, I think got, that's what they call Twitter in China. I got a petition for over 850,000 signatures yeah. to get this guest We on. were, you know, we were wanting to get to a million because then Obama would have to, the White House would have to comment on it mm-hmm. on change.org. Didn't but quite make it. Then he had an availability and we're like, let's strike while the iron is yeah. hot. We just needed three more days. Yeah. But strike like on. a blacksmith. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> anyway, guys. Please welcome a uh, improviser, writer, maybe friend. I don't know. He's um, friendly. Yeah. A doctor. A doctor. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> now he's shaking his uh, head. Racer. Racer. Racist. Oh, he got, he got angry at that. <laughs> mechanic. Yeah, mechanic. And rallier. He goes to a lot of rallies. That's what I hear. But I think he's into politics, guys. We're going to find it all out. Engineer. You know, we're dangerously close to surpassing last week's record of how long we wait to introduce the guest. (laughs) (laughs) I heard he's a recovering chupacabra. Yeah. No, Mm -hmm. that was a terrible suggestion, by the way. I didn't like it. Chupacabras are great goat suckers. Anyway. Never a dentist. Yes. Never a dentist. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> lady and gentlemen, let's give a big warm applause and welcome to Tom Schultz. Thank you. He's really here. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it's hard to believe. This, so, is, this is my real voice. Yeah. What took you so long, Tom, to start off? I Ooh. I didn't believe you guys were being honest when I met yeah. you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, I did get that vibe because it's yeah. like, you're like, oh, you didn't really want me on. And we're like, no. Like, because we took a long time to even ask someone to be our first guest. And we like, uh, we met Tom. He's like, like nice. And yeah. and then he said, yeah, we'll be our first guest. And you're like, and okay. And then we're like, oh, and we, Tom's we, not coming. So I guess you could be our guest. Yeah. 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 And But we were all excited that night. I remember when we were like, oh, I remember, we got our first guest. I remember meeting you guys outside of Go. And mm-hmm. we were like talking. I, I just got back from... I think blacksmithing or something. Yeah, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just remember, I have this thing, I cannot read you. You know, you're, it, a tough, you're a tough face to read. Well, you know, I played a lot of poker. That's one yeah, thing. Okay. Deadpan humor is my favorite humor. Mm-hmm. And, angry face. Yeah, angry face. And yeah, like I said, I just grew up with what I call an angry face. And yeah. uh, it, it, it causes me way more trouble than it benefits me. You know, so but you know the biggest metric that I used at the time, yeah, 
she's my metric now about like the truth in the show. Oh but yeah. At that time, Heather just seemed disinterest. <laughs> I think that's like, a fair bit of truth. Heather, you weren't like, oh, interested in. Tom? I was. I was probably being come, very shy. He yeah. didn't come was, on because yeah. of you. Oh my God, Heather! <laughs> oh no, it's all my fault. Oh, oh no. no! Wait a minute, Heather. True or false? Have you ever called Tom Cutie Tom? Uh, Be honest. That'll do it. I probably have. I don't think you have. Mm, I've never heard. Heather, well, I remember really... you. I remember you saying, "Oh, my friend Tom, Heather, you'll like him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought you would call him Cutie Tom, but you didn't. Well, see, because I know, because there's a, another Cutie Tom in my life. Ah, I But he's see. not in my life anymore. My oh, so Tom. you're saying there's a cutie availability. Cutie vacancy. I mean, that's the boy I lost my virginity to. Oh, TMI, Heather. I mean, just kidding. No, well, it's not. I mean, Heather, we've never <laughs> talked about... You've talked about like it multiple before. times, actually. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the early seasons, guys. Um, what episode? What season? Uh, well, season three, episode four is the one you're talking about. But the this particular episode that Heather's referring to is, uh, I don't know. You know, we should start making season three, episode four t-shirts. I, really I just I just love that you guys oh, always plug know. episodes like that. Yeah. Like, it, no, that's the I, only I episode up. we plug. It's the only episode we ever plug because so many people ask about it. <laughs> uh, and, but now my parents think uh, they're immigrants and don't listen to this. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I will say the first time I met you, Tom, uh, was at Go Comedy. And... It was really like, oh, you know what? It was at the LaunchCast auditions last year. That was the first time I met you. Yeah, it was. And I remember you talking to me, and then you always seemed to get angry with me, which seems to be a theme of our friendship slash frenemyship, mm-hmm. because I was talking to you, and you know, just like, I believe in like the Dale Carnegie rules or whatever, you know, take a genuine interest in people and uh, all that stuff, and just talk to people and be interested in what they have to say. And so I was talking to you. Also, as, as a shy person, I always feel the need, need to, like, include people, like, in the conversation. I hate when I, like, walk up to a conversation and people are talking and they just act like I'm not there. You yeah, know, you're really courteous about yeah, that. Yeah, because so. I feel so, you know, I, I used to have terrible, terrible social anxiety. It's much better now, but it's still there. But, so. <laughs> you, have, you have great conversation etiquette. No. Thanks. Tom called out all these things, you know what I mean? <laughs> but he called them out in a very angry way. <laughs> like, he's like, hey, because then we met, like, sometime afterward, like, at, uh, it might have been at the second round, uh, the finals of the yeah. LaunchCast afterwards. We were talking, you know, outside the lobby. And I was just talking to people. I didn't know a lot of people at that time. But, you know, so if people came in and didn't know the other people, I'd introduce them. And Tom's like, I got to go. You know, I'm like, okay. And I kept talking to other people. And he just kept staying there. And then he was like, you know what? He's like, I've been wanting to leave for like a fucking hour, you know? <laughs> but it's like, he's like, you're just so like compelling, you know? And you include everybody in the fucking conversation, you know? It's like, I can't leave. And I'm like, uh, thank you. Is this a compliment? Can you just be a bad human being, Tony? That's yeah, all I want. I was just like, yeah. But yeah. I, that seems to be a recurring theme. Like, Tom has been very aggressive in the, you know, the negotiations leading up to this appearance. Yeah. And it's joking, but is it joking? You know what I mean? Like, um, so I think we'll start off with that. Tom, you're a person with a reputation, you know, for being a straight shooter. Yeah. He was in the army. He was a sniper <laughs> training. That's not Shoot true. right from the hip. Yeah. No, I, uh, I do way, have a military background. By the way, yeah. imagine you were a sh- uh, soldier and you did shoot from the hip. It would look so weird. God. It'd be like you'd be holding like a machine gun <laughs> down <laughs> at your <laughs> side. Like yeah. Rambo. Like you'd look at like, you know, like uh, scoliosis or something. Anyway, shout out to scoliosis. Okay. Um, we can shout out anything we want on the show. So, Tom. What do you think Shout of Shout out puberty. Give me, give me an analysis of, uh, an, analyze me. Because you say, know. like, you, yeah. you, you said it's like, well, this person is this and this. So you said that I'm very hard to read, which is true. Yeah. But I really relate to you on that because mm-hmm. I have that uh, resting asshole face. I don't think that's true at it's all. It's just like I have a warm smile when I actually yeah. smile, but mm-hmm. it's, 
it, my disagree face, when I relax it's just not that inviting but I it, really help include people in the conversations but about you mm-hmm. since I'm giving you a hard time yeah no be free no, no no I'm being honest yeah it means I love you as a friend I'm not even kidding oh. when I when I'm way too warm and cuddly with people yeah that may mean that I'm just not willing to go ahead and give you some trash back and forth yeah and whatnot like I really enjoy when I can go ahead and give people a hard time like, well, I'm disappointed. Well, I gotta say, Tom's never given me a hard time. So. <laughs> He's very warm with you, actually. Uh, I, I actually, I just have to keep getting like, like increasingly at the push Jim away when I see him at Seven Brothers because he'll ask me everything about cars, and then like I got, I got to find a way to push yeah. this guy away because my mm-hmm. girlfriend's over there. I'm just talk to her in an hour in this place. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to make it clear: you do not have a resting bitch face. It's more like a resting kissable face. Yeah, and John is as straight as they come. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it sounded <laughs> weird, but mm. yeah, he and I bonded after the RoboCop show at uh, man, what was that place? Stop, stop, stop spot. spot. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Carry, it was a good karaoke. Time. It's yeah, been a while mm-hmm. since we've been there. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But we're on the verge of making the After Improv podcast is on the verge of returning to go the place where it all began. Oh, man. Depending on how long our writing class goes at the end, <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is that beginning? when maybe next semester so we'll say it so you can sign up and have class with us and you know rub rub uh, elbows or i'll do a retake or... yeah okay cool absolutely all right don't tell tom guys okay what class we're taking anyway back I, to I randomly I'm sign just... up for classes so i just oh, made up there damn it. all right yeah <laughs> no i mean that's great okay so you're not gonna give me shit i was hoping you would um but yeah there's like i would say the way you talk to me is like admiringly but also resentfully you know what yeah. i mean like you're like Ah, fuck you. You know what yeah. I mean? You're a great guy, but fuck you. I fucking admire there, everything. Yeah, there can be definite undertones in there, yeah. and I've come to understand that about myself. Mm-hmm. Is like, So you're like this with a lot of people? Oh, the people I'm really warm with? Okay. Yeah, like the people that I really trust. Like if I just go ahead and have like, I w- you know what? I want equality for all. But if anybody's getting too above me, yeah. I knock them down. I see. Yeah, you know, I'm so, just not okay. a good person. Bring them down. That's the best yeah. way to keep things equal. Yeah. Just bring them all down. But once I mm-hmm. once I realized that about myself, then I was just like, that's my fallacy as a human. Yeah. And then I figure out how to fix that. So, so. do you consider yourself the smartest person you know? No, definitely okay. not. See, I'm always trying to improve to be better. Mm-hmm. I know that's a common thing that I've been told. But yeah. I never acknowledge when I actually know some material. Like, oh, yeah. You have yeah. to hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know all about that, guys, yeah. right? If you don't hide your knowledge, yeah. your family will ask you to fix their yeah. computer forever. Oh, yeah. But that's better than the person who acts like they know everything. That's also me. Yeah. So I'm I'm a Your guy likes to be right. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's fun for me because, like, you're always attempting to be right. Mm-hmm. So when you do nail it, I got to find a way to, like, knock you off. Oh, well, that's what this yeah. whole podcast is about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you have not listened to enough episodes, my friend. Uh. But anyway, so... <laughs> How much would you say your background informs the person you are? Like how you came up? Like from childhood to now? Yeah. Birth. Yeah, like, yeah. or specifically... <laughs> in the specifically, day, day one on Earth. Well, no, specific, <laughs> specifically the early days of living in D.C. Uh, we'll get into this, but, yeah. you know, without saying what it is. Yeah, I mean. I'd say it definitely informs who so I am. So why don't you... Because I think a lot of people... I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it in passing, but I don't know how many, you know, you share this with... You came up in a pretty rough area. Humble beginnings, yeah, yeah. definitely. You grew up in D.C. You're, yeah. uh, was it like the ghetto or the projects? So I grew up in bits of southeast D.C. initially, yeah. mm-hmm. and then we moved out when I was pretty young to northern Virginia. Yeah. And I understand that was like a whole movement of people that just moved out from that area 
real estate was going up and whatnot. Yeah, and so they were forced out. Yeah. Mm. I think there's a word for that. Well, here in Detroit, yeah. they call it white flight. Okay. That happened in like the 60s. Yeah. And so all the white people left the city of right Detroit. Right after the riot. Yeah, right after yeah, the riot. Yeah. And they all moved out to the suburbs. And that's why to this day, Detroit is one of the most segregated cities in America. Right. To be it, toward black. It's, it's, it's in so so present to me like when i moved yeah. here i mm-hmm. couldn't believe like when people live in specific cities huntington woods to royal oak to Fern, hey, sorry no. to ferndale to like yeah birmingham to bloomfield hills to detroit or even like corktown to gross point or mm-hmm. like east side like you see strict divisions mm-hmm. you were driven down jefferson highway and right before you hit gross point it's just like a line in the sand where gross point begins yeah, yeah. And like, here's a Detroiter tip: people from Detroit don't say Jefferson Highway; they just say Jefferson. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a genuine. No, no, advice, no I appreciate you know? it. Yeah. Didn't like, Gross Point build an actual like wall between Detroit and Gross Point? <laughs> I think if Trump gets elected, <laughs> it, that's going to happen. Yeah, it, it was paid for by. <laughs> uh, no, but I remember this is. I went to a very white high school, Nova High School, in the '90s. Yeah. It's more diverse now, by which I mean there's like a ton of Asian kids. I mean Indians and Asians too, so it's not racist. No, I totally understand yeah. what you're going yeah, for. Yeah. A lot of people um, don't understand that context that yeah yeah still part of well Asia. you know the, the thing that's funny is when people say asian here they mean people from like you know like japan china yeah. korea but in Absolutely. england when they say asians they mean indians isn't yeah. that weird oh okay yeah, yeah something to it's know part of the yeah. asian i'm continent. dropping knowledge guys all over the place oh. a fun fact yeah so but the you know back to where you were so so um dc growing up in yeah so in northern virginia area. i should state for the record you're white Okay, thanks. People His passport put- makes me doubt it. Yeah. I'm using it as a coaster right now. Yeah, that's badass. More, that's more so foreshadowing. Boring. I think we're doing a lot of good scene painting in this episode. You know it what is? I mean? It's, it's really like good. we're talking about stuff in the room. You Just know? some sound effects, too, yeah. huh? There's a fork on the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. And in your camera, Jim. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Uh, Heather's wearing a black hoodie and glasses, and John is wearing also a gray hoodie. In, uh, and his hair is in a ponytail today. Yeah, his hair is. He also gives him like some objects. Maybe they have and just like there's a guitar well, there's, sitting between yeah, John and Jim. Yep, and then there's a bottle cap. Yeah, bottle cap and beers yeah. and you know, yeah, I like all this. Okay, <laughs> anyway, I feel like we're dancing around the topics here. Okay, so so you grew up in like a majority black area, I would say. Yes, definitely. And socioeconomically depressed. Yeah. So I, I did, would if I, did, I had to get. Oh, go ahead. I did like the origin story with. My uh, girlfriend, we went back to uh, the Northern Virginia area, mm-hmm. and we just jokingly called oh, it like, the origin story. Yeah, yeah. Um, took her around to some of the places I was from. And um, and is she from like a similar background or no? Uh, yeah, Am- Amber, my girlfriend, she's definitely from like... Shout out to Amber. Yeah. We've never met. I'm hey, pretty I've, sure. I've, hey, I'm, we've she's met her. She's a great person. I've yeah. Met her yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Amber's <laughs> wonderful, Tony. I can't say anything. I've never met her. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, I'm sure she's you great. Get, you guys will hang out sometimes. Okay. Assume... Yeah. All right. Yeah. And journal, journalism, we never seem. That's like the cardinal rule. Yeah. She's, in, she's incredibly supportive. Anywho, we'll go yeah. on to the... I'll cut she, that out. She's way. from... <laughs> I always want to hear you like these cutouts. I love yeah. it. Uh, so there's... Uh, she's from uh, the west coast of Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's from humble beginnings too, I'd say. Okay. You mean yeah. the worst coast of Canada? Ooh. Well, Ooh. I mean... Like, that's a personal coast. projection. When you, when you <laughs> say Canada, that's Alaska, isn't it? No, but when you say West Coast, do you mean like Vancouver or that area? Victoria. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. But that's like Vancouver. It's not the, It's not what you're thinking like super far west. Yeah. That's like Newfoundland and stuff, I believe. Right? No, Victoria is outside of Vancouver. No, no. I'm talking about far west. Newfoundland is in the far west, right? Or no? Go east. Okay. Go anyway, east. I was right about Victoria. <laughs> I've been to Victoria. Anyway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so... Um, and also that part of Canada. Hey, all right. See what I did there? Okay. So 
I mean, I assume growing up as like the only white person among a bunch of black people that you had no problems and never were teased or that was never pointed out to um, you. That, no, that was definitely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was another uh, white guy in the neighborhood too, and they considered me to be the white guy, but he was not. Now, uh, why is that? He could actually carry a rhyme. Oh, <laughs> rapping yeah. ability determines race. I get it. Jesus, now. come on! <laughs> yeah. But it was about the time when Eminem was like a hot thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was How just old kind are of you? A joke. I'm 28. Okay. Yeah. It's about what I guess. Yeah. 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 He, um, he and I, we actually grew up right near each other. Yeah. But predominantly, yeah, a lot of my friends were black growing up. Now, but did you get a lot of shit too from other black people, or like going to school and stuff? Oh man, I remember like going to high school and like sitting at different lunch tables from all the kids in the advanced classes and I was in the advanced classes for yeah. academics and a fair number of my friends were not. And like these are the people that I hung out with and I was cool back home in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it's just like they're like, Oh, like who are these people you're hanging out with? These are my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Oh. But you never were like bullied or anything like that or singled out? Oh no, that was definitely Definitely something that happened. Like what would happen? Like give me an example. We had a lot of fist fights growing up. I mm-hmm. can say I definitely got the crap knocked out of me more than I won any fights. Oh, so I you w- lost more than you won? Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Have you ever been knocked unconscious? Once. Oh, yes, wow. I definitely remember that. Mm. Uh, it, I'm it's, surprised you remember it. <laughs> well, I just I just remember coming back and like uh, this guy he had told this other guy. Justin, I might have to bleep that name. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll Facebook yeah. him and ask him if it's cool. Yeah, you know? he he won't be on Facebook. Is he dead? No, he's alive. Okay. Actually, a, a couple of my friends have passed mm-hmm. from the neighborhood from unknown reasons. A couple are in jail. Oh, okay. So. Well, when you say unknown reasons, like what? I think they were probably involved with drugs. Well, how did they die? Were they just found like asleep or were they like shot? or? People normally said they died of cancer, but... It's normally just a slang term to say it was probably an OD. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So when you say unknown reasons, you mean socially unknown, not like it was yeah. a mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was mainly me just reading through like social media to understand it. Okay. So anyway, go ahead. You're talking about like what are some examples of how you... I remember were... like, I remember we always play sports just to go ahead and like rile each other up and like go yeah. ahead and get like out some vented anger or whatnot. And that's why I can't say it's ever racially pointed, but like... I just remember like getting a smack talking. Yeah. And I remember going to the basketball court and we had like these deep unregulation like hoops that were like way above, way higher than we could ever jump to to dunk on. Mm-hmm. But they had these like insanely tall fences around and close the gate to the fence and you'd be playing, somebody check somebody and you get a foul and they'd be like, why'd you check me? And then a fight would start. Yeah. And then I remember we play football, same thing, you foul somebody. And then like when the pool would open, we all just wanted to get into the pool just so we could go ahead and play shark and drown somebody and then eventually a fight would start. Sure, <laughs> and then we would all end up getting out and then a fight happened. That person gets ejected or both the people get ejected and eventually there's only one person left. And like well i might as well just kick myself out and then at the point, it was just all so everything old people everything in ended in a fight and it was expected to end in a fight yeah basically. definitely what age did you first become aware of your race i think you're an interesting person to talk to you about this because i think you have a perspective that very few white people have which is being like one of the only being the minority and not just in a way of like oh i went to a party and i was the only white guy but like years of being the only white person to have a perspective on it, I'd say it really hit me when I went to college. Oh, really? That, that late? That was, I always knew it was there. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to a different elementary school from where I went into middle school and then a different high school from yeah. where the populace mm-hmm. went. But I was aware of it that, like, I was part of the uh, a class of people that were just, like, 
we, we just didn't have the economic resources and they would yeah. bust us in to help balance out the i guess the wealth population or whatnot at the mm. schools oh okay it, get some diversity in there they would they would cut up different sections of neighborhoods like that it's not uncommon to hear about yeah and i remember being part of those groups that would get bust in and like it was just kind of a present thing to me i was just like and, and would like the kids at the school that were more affluent like treat you like the the poor kids differently i will never forget when one of my good friends in middle school i was way across town going to a, these schools def i shouldn't have been going there mm-hmm. but i got in there for a science and math program yeah and his family dropped me off at my house and they were just like this is where you live like this is why we never have any idea where you live mm-hmm. uh, and i was like yeah willowbrook virginia and they were just like why are you here and like for me the fact they couldn't process that is like a sixth grader i finally got i was like yeah they don't understand why i live in this yeah but you that was more of like a class thing as opposed to like a race thing mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah now this is i think what i like to call a racial lesson for all our listeners out there because i hear this all the time if i didn't know what i was saying i would say tom you grew up you know like in the ghetto but you don't talk black now yeah. that is incorrect you're very articulate <laughs> because <laughs> i learned that because i think people just don't ask like well what are you supposed to say like i'll just relate a story i had i was in uh a sociology class in Novi, which speaking of gross point in sociology class, we went down to Detroit for our field trip to right. see like, and like we went to uh, like eight mile and you saw that dividing line between Detroit, uh, gross point and the sea where one side, the houses are all like run down and all the other side, they're all, yeah. but anyway, I had a friend called Adrian, shout out to Adrian, who is a black guy. I will say like, he didn't talk black, you know, because I'm at that point, I was still saying it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he got a lot of shit from, you know, his boys because, you know, he didn't, and I'm like, yeah, you don't talk black at all. And he's like, what all black people? So like, do all black people talk like this? And I'm like, no. And he's like, so why are you taking, I'm talking black. I'm like, Okay, well, what am I supposed to say? And yeah. I'm so surprised, like, people just don't ask that question. Yeah. And he said, it's slang. When you talk like that, you say you talk slang. So everybody out there, when you're trying to think of a word like saying, oh, he talks black, what you're trying to say is he talks slang. Yeah. That's your racial yeah, lesson it for should, today. It, that, it's it was a, easier that's a, back in the day. They'd say that you talk jive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but even that is like a weird, you know, I mean, now I guess it's different. Uh, I still always remember Mrs. Cleaver, you know, from an airplane saying I speak no, jive. She was a jive translator. No, it's definitely uh, it's definitely just slang. Like, it's yeah, that's all, all. But is. I would say like 99% of people don't know that that's what you call it. it it's unfortunate that people yeah. associate those things like that because it's seriously just slang. Yeah. Like, so that's all it is. Well, so the for, government tried to get it labeled as uh, a bonnet. Yeah, a bonnet. Yeah. I remember they, there's a pushback in the day that they said they could teach it as a class somewhere in California. It was stupid. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Like, but, you know, because it, it's funny because every region has like a dialect or something, you know, right. it's just like black people get singled out, which I find odd, you know, yep. because it doesn't happen in any other aspect yeah. of American life. Anyway, uh, that was a joke. But was it? So, well, I don't know. Tom t- seemed like he was taking that too seriously. So I was like, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the, yeah. feel, the feel is that just, I definitely relate to that. Like, I remember trying to figure out how to just like discern between like when am I speaking slang and when I have to go ahead and speak. So you do speak slang. Yeah. If I, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Like when I'm naturally hanging out with people, Yeah, like with your boys. Th- that kind of banter I have with you. Yeah. Man, when I'm going back and forth with you like that, mm-hmm. that's just me giving you a hard time. Like Cause that. I have heard you do it on occasion. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, It'll be a slip of the tongue. And like, I know that a lot of my really good friends will tell me like, 
man, I love the way you enunciate things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, how did I say that? And they're like, oh, that's just like this hard East Coast accent. So was that something so. you had to work on? Or because coming up in that environment where like everybody was talking one way, because yeah. like Eminem is a good example. Like he talks the way he does because that's the people he grew around, mm-hmm. grew up around, you know? Yeah. Like I've, that's what I respect about Kid Rock is that, you know, he talks like where he came from. I'm super self-conscious of it because like when I do my own day-to-day job yeah i realized that then what's your profession you don't have to say where you work yeah i'm an applied physicist okay that's really this what i identify as because my background is in physics and math and Mm -hmm. then i did some engineering in grad school yeah so it's just like a hodgepodge Mm -hmm. um that word right yeah (laughs) wait did you say it on purpose no i just realized it and when you went and i was just like oh i know why now three of our last four guests have used the word hodgepodge because hodgepodge is a great word but it never happened until that now it's yeah. you know three out of four. Anyway, sorry, I'm making a big deal about hot <laughs> you know, But anyway, um, it's slime. so anyway, you're an applied physicist, and so so I find that in that field, I have to have speak very clearly the king's English, as I say. Yeah, and it doesn't really click for me. Did you just yawn? No, that's a lie. <laughs> yawn and time. burp. I okay, guess. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, oh wait, was it a burp or a yawn? Or was it both? both. Was it a yerp? It was both. both. Okay, that's it, fine. it was tough for me to go ahead and figure out what was going on. But yeah, I just wanted to get through it. That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> you just live your life, Tom. Yeah, Thanks. don't don't let people judge you yeah. as I judge you. Anyway, no. So you're a physicist. So really, even to this day, it's a concentrated effort to it, talk the way you do. Oh, like it right is. now. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I guess my question is like, if you're doing something like improv, why don't you talk more slang? Because yeah, I don't notice you doing it very often. Yeah. Why I've, don't you just save it for work? Because I know plenty of black friends that do that. Yeah. I feel like it's harder to justify mm-hmm. when I'm speaking slang. And it's like, where the hell does that come from? It's almost like they think that you just dug up stuff out of like urban dictionary. Yeah. And you just try to apply it in your life. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, you keep it 100%. Like, I never really used that for a long time. Yeah. And then, it's actually keep it 100. Yeah. Sorry. So it's like, see, I, don't can't, say even, the I can't even use it correctly. <laughs> it's not I stuff learned, that I grew up on. I learned that streets from, is watching time. Yeah. I learned see? that from Larry Wilmore. Mm-hmm. See, I'm just slipping. I don't have no idea. So it sounds like you're more doing it because you find it hard to justify, but to me, it's like, how long did you live in that in, uh, in that area? Oh, where I grew up? Yeah. All the way up until I was 18. Yeah. So you lived there for, you know, the majority of your life. Yeah. So if you want to talk like that, and that's your natural way of talking, is not doing it a way of like fear of being judged by people? I think it was the fact that I just didn't have the emotional comfort with it, which okay. is how I found my way into uh, stand-up and improv, was I mm-hmm. was like... And it's one of the reasons why I ended up leaving grad school ultimately from a PhD. I was just like, I have to find emotional comfort about how the way I go ahead and deliver myself. Yeah. Because right now I'm not comfortable about the way how I talk to people. Yeah. So I was okay. like, I need to get past that and then I can move on. Because I do come from a cutty background. I need to go ahead and let that just, if, like, if that comes through, I want to be transparent to people and let them know where I'm from. Yeah. I think it's, so, you know, like I said, I think it informs a lot of who you are and, uh, it's yeah. an interesting part, and I think it's something I to just, admire. I mean, you're one of the few that make it out of that environment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm sure you have like a bunch of stories about friends that are I remember that didn't. You mentioned a friend. Uh, you said you have a friend Adrian. I got a friend yeah. Adrian. He's he's serving hard time. He has sticky fingers. Mm. Stealing way too much stuff. Yeah. And his old man, you tell him all the time. He's like, man, if you don't get that f- fixed, you're just gonna end up in jail. Mm-hmm. Damn sure enough, he's in jail. Have you ever visited him? Or no, I haven't visited him, but his. His brother was my best friend mm-hmm. all the way growing up. He would he would inform me when people were trying to jump me or something like that. Like there'd oh, be okay. setups. Like yeah, yeah. Like, I'd be like going out to the basketball court, and he's like, "Yo, they're gonna go ahead and try to jump you." And I was just like, "All right." So then I wouldn't go ahead and hang out. 
So my question is, if he was your best friend, like, why would people tell him that? Or like, how would he find out? Like, hey, you know, we're gonna kill, beat the shit out of your best friend because he was tight with him. Oh, okay. He was just more or less like a guy keeping me in the circle about things because there were some friends within that same circle that would help me out. Like there was a guy we called Big Injury mm-hmm. because remember we were playing basketball one time. He was like tallest guy we had. Yeah, he was a six ten. And one time he goes up to jump on those like deregulation hoops that we had. Yeah, and on the backside was like this two foot drop off the cement slab for the oh, concrete. Man. And he was just like oh and like fell and he's like oh man somebody's gonna get a Big Injury and we're like yeah. your name is now Big Injury. That sounds so safe. <laughs> it- <laughs> And it was like, one time he even told me this guy, Clarence, his little brother, Mooney, as we called him. Because Mooney, man, he would be, he would always moon people. <laughs> we understand the purpose behind this. I was trying to think of the connection. Like, why yeah. is he Mooney? I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Mooney was this tiny little kid, and he would just like jump up on your back and just start headbutting you and punching you in the back. And you could not get him off your back. Damn. And like, I was just like, man, this kid is a menace. So he would just go ahead and give me a heads up he's like don't even mess around he's like clarence because here's the thing like if you got into a fist fight with somebody we had this strange rule in the neighborhood that was like plus or minus two years from your age it's okay to get into a, a brawl with them oh okay but if you you know if you if you knock out like a weight class in boxing it's so weird like yeah. it was like if you were if you were like if somebody older than you though and you did get into a fight with them and they're like three or four years older than you, you did get into a fight and you knocked them down it was like that's a notch right there for you. That's a that's a big deal. But how would that happen if there was a thing about not or if, so if you that were younger, guy would look bad for fighting you. But I if see. you not if you knocked him down, then it was like that's a win for you. And conversely, let's say you were like fourteen, and then you fought somebody that was like eighteen. Yeah. So that if, if you were the one that started it, yeah. so the eighteen year old then has carte blanche to beat the shit out of you. You got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. What if you sense. got in a fight with a big seven year old? Same deal applies. Like that seven-year-old knocks you down. But like a he's young, 180 pounds. That does, doesn't matter. For whatever reason, two. the age was just the thing he's we cared two. about. He's That's so two. funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. Mooney was like this little kid who would just like come up and just like be messing with you and he could jump up on you. And he had enough weight to him. I remember him being like 110 pounds mm-hmm. and I was like 150. And he would just go ahead and be swinging at you. And I was like, man, this kid's so low. Like he's going to hit me where I don't like it. And I was just like, so where's then, that? I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's what John does. Don't yeah, worry about I know. It. I know what he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just confused. I'm I thought we were friends, John. Yeah, there's no, there's no teams here. Yeah. So, so. he, anywho, I just heard Mooney and him trying to come after me. It's like, I had to avoid like getting into a fight with him because his brother, Clarence was my age, oh. but Clarence carried a lot more weight on me. And that kid really did not care about getting into fights. My old man really encouraged me not to get into fights. How were your parents together? Uh, they were together, but they did not get along. Okay. They're, so are they still together or? No. Was it a thing when they finally split up, you were relieved? No. So the, the, you sad? the whole the whole deal was that like my mom and dad, they they lived together all the way up to my dad. My dad passed. Oh, okay. Sorry to yeah. hear that. So when I was 18... He passed away. Oh, like was this before or after you went to college? This was a month and a half before I graduated. Oh, okay. But my dad was always in poor health when I was from four years old. Okay. He always prepared me uh, mentally to be responsible and be independent. Yeah. And I can remember back to the youngest years that he was always making sure I could stand on my own two feet. And my mom was... The, the environment was very stressed for her and I. Yeah. Um, so we, was she, because your father was in poor health, was she like the sole breadwinner or? Nope. My dad was. Oh, okay. So my dad was, uh, 
My dad was in the Marine Corps. He served in Vietnam from, what was it, from 66 till about like 87. Okay. So just before I was born. Yeah, 65 actually. And then he was in Vietnam and he just kept doing tours like from 67, 68, 69, 70. Yeah. And he was special forces and force recon. And then he became a drill sergeant after that. Oh, so he's a lifer in the army? He, or? In the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps. Yeah. And, uh, he ended up being a drill instructor for I understand for special forces and yeah, he retired just before I was born. Oh, okay. If um, you're a drill instu- instructor for special forces, you like go through basic training and then go through another mm-hmm. and yes. you see the drill instructor for that second. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the, the craziest thing was when my dad retired, he had picked up another job. Like you have like his defense contractors. Yeah. He, he worked private sector. Yeah. He worked that. And then four four or five years after I was about four years old. Yeah. So like 87 to when I was born 88. So 92. Yeah. He ended up having a heart attack. And then he had oh, wow. a couple after that. Okay. And he just kind of maintained like he just could never get back into good health. And that's a yeah. tough life of being enlisted for people. Mm-hmm. And I, I really feel for those folks. I can remember I spent so many of my years in like VFWs and like American Legions. Like yeah. parents didn't get along. So I just, you know, I spent a lot of time in bars. Mm. Um, bar scene doesn't really affect me when people want to banter there. Yeah. And. That's the thing, too. It's like it was probably more normalized then, too, to have, like, especially in that environment. You oh, know? yeah. I did so much my to homework be a kid. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He would, I remember him, like, paying some of his friends. He's like, here, I'll buy you a beer if you go ahead. And, like, they'd be like a colonel who knew math. And he was like, some. some oh, course. really? Yeah. He had like a math degree. My dad didn't have a degree, but he was always interested in doing yeah. computer programming. Mm-hmm. And he would, like, click up with these guys and then he would be like hey i'll buy you a beer if you can go ahead and you know get my son like you know help him out with this like algebra too yeah i learned so much in my math and physics from those kind of guys oh really and it was like just kind of the place to be i remember learning like five card poker there learn a little bit of gambling how to play shuffleboard pool like this is like <laughs> normal <laughs> like kid stuff yeah, shuffleboard. yeah. <laughs> it's just like the normal stuff oh okay well, um and what yeah. did Viet, did Vietnam and that stuff affect your father? It sounds like he, I, when you said he had ill health, I was wondering maybe he like was exposed to Agent Orange or anything. He like had that. to definitely been exposed to Agent Orange, and okay. he was behind enemy lines doing special forces stuff because mm-hmm. they would do the buddy system. You would have two and two men together, so four going out into reconnaissance areas to patrol regions oh, okay. for future troops to deploy to. Yeah, yeah. Was he? Because when you say drill sergeant, I think that come like what comes to mind conjures up is. Uh, like if anyone's seen the movie The Great Santini, you know, it's like a very tightly wound person that like yeah. runs his house. Like, was that yeah. your experience? No, that's such an interesting thing for you to bring up. My dad was very much the antithesis of that mentality. He understood it. He understood the mentality he had to live in or where he was at. But he, I would go to school and I told you I was like doing a science and math programs. Yeah. And then in like summer I would do like maybe a advanced geometry class, but then he would like mix it up and have me go do some painting or then do some drawing, like line drawing, and then go ahead and learn how to play the trumpet some. The music never really stuck, but then yeah. I'd be doing a lot of other art stuff, and it would bounce back and forth. He's building this, like, Einstein, Michel- Michelangelo project. Molding you, yeah, Renaissance yeah. Yeah. man. Yeah, and that was, his, that was the thing he loved, was the Renaissance man concept. Mm. Um, yeah, it sounds like he had a big role in your life. Would you say he's, like, more of an influence in your life than your mom? Like, like what role uh, did your, your mom mm. play in your upbringing? Uh, I mean, really, one thing I'm really interested in is is that you got into all these things like math and science in in an area that historically, you know, like kids fall victim to the streets. So what do you do you attribute attribute that more to? Or first of all, did you fall victim to that stuff? Did you get, you know, caught up ever or 
Yeah, you know, I had I had dirt. really I had really bad grades from like after elementary school through like middle school. I was just a horrible kid. Like I just it wasn't that I wasn't bad with my dad. Yeah, I kept in line and like always respected him, respected my mom. But like it just things never clicked up with some kids in the neighborhood. Yeah, and, like that was when a lot of fight stuff would happen. But then like when I was in high school, I remember just having like that reality. My dad had a heart transplant when I was like probably about in fifth grade. Mm. And that kind of set in that I was like, I like he really started laying down the cons. He's like, you're really going to, you know, you got to know that you're going to be on your own one day. Wow. In fifth grade. He yeah. Started talking like, it about was, that. it was a big deal because I remember paying bills and stuff for mm-hmm. the house and whatnot when he was in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, he just, he would give me cash and I would yeah. learn how to write checks. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, so how come, like, was this what your, him and your mom were split up by this point or? Like, how come your mom uh, they, they never, they never ever split up. Well, I mean, like when yeah. I say split up, meaning like, uh, oh, so they always lived they, in the same house. They would live in the same house, or somebody else could live somewhere else. So, I, my question is, how come your mom wasn't doing any of this stuff then? Uh, my mom would struggle. Still, a shout out to her that uh, I really focused from like eighteen to now and even on to restore that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'd say her and I are tighter than ever considering all of the horrible circumstances her and I ever had. Yeah. We really were not tight. Do you think getting older, like what, what do you attribute to kind of restoring or at least healing, you know, to some degree your relationship with your mom? Was it just getting older or time. working on it? Time. Time's what played the major factor into it. And the other thing was she's the only other person that knew the story. She's the only other person. Is she's the only one that could know the story with me? Yeah, and I was just like, I got to talk to her, and that eventually over time built it up. Mm-hmm. She's learned how to be strong on her own, and I help her out. And I, man, she is my number one texter. She yeah. Learned, oh my man, I will never forget when she learned how to text a year ago. She sent me one one solid text line, and she said. How are you doing? I love you. I learned how to text all one line. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is frightening. Yeah, my, my parents just like a similar timeline. They just started yeah. texting maybe like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And it's been pretty hilarious. But she sends know? me like three letters a week. Like she still okay. handwrites a ton. I save every, oh, she, really? I, I save every letter. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, just out of respect for her because I know how much time she puts into them. Do you like reply to them ever? A couple times. Like I would always send her postcards when I travel. Oh, okay. Um, but I've never went back home and mm. we don't have a home. Like, yeah she just lives on her own yeah but do you like you visit her and stuff when you go back home or i'll go back about once or twice a year okay but like a reason i go back is to go see my sister okay yeah, yeah. so you want to talk about your sister a little bit or yeah shout uh, her out yeah Teresa. she has a, a mental handicap called Rett syndrome Rett syndrome yeah r-e-t-t mm-hmm. it's kind of astounding that um what happens is between about the months about somewhere between 8 to 18 months brain activity ceases Mm. It's almost like a reverse of think of Alzheimer's or something. Yeah. So brain degenerative, but like just like a halt in brain development. And she remains that age remotely for the rest of her life. Okay. Mentally. But yeah. physically, she grows just like you and I. Yeah. What I always say is I, I learned how to change diapers. Like I changed diapers my whole life for her. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's just, wow. Yeah. And I would help feed her and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd speak baby talk like nobody's business. Like yeah. I like some of the stuff to do with her, be like, uzzy, uzzy, like, wee, wee, wee. And it's just like, it's yeah. like, these are really sentimental sounds that I do. Yeah, her, but yeah. it would get her laughing. And nothing makes me feel better than knowing I can speak her language. Yeah. And having that patience and compassion to work with her like that. Mm-hmm. I always say, I am the best at working with one-year-olds. Don't ask oh, me yeah. about like past <laughs> one-year-olds. Like, I have no concept of it. Adolescent, we talking five years old? I, 
I'm yeah. out. Yeah. Like if you have a kid, you'll be like, tell the kid one day, like, man, when you were one, I, I was on point. You know, <laughs> you don't even know. I can see it. Two years old runs or comes around. And you just like flip a table. Like, yeah, out. I know. You're like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm done. You handle this the kid rest. is too irrational. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so are you like, where is she now? So that's why I go back and I go home to see her and I take a mom to go see her. She lives in a group home. Okay. Um, so they have homes that house, uh, you know, handicapped kids like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially into their adult years, you know, with the home you're with, like that she's with, is it possible to like, uh, I obviously she can't use technology, but mm-hmm. like, are you able to like Skype her so she could look like at a picture of you or do they, is that not even like in it's, the realm uh, of possibility? It's questionable that she could even recognize who I am, but like the people that have been, have spent the most time in their lives. Yeah. Know who they are. So it'd be immediate family. Okay. So like when you yeah. go to see her though, there's recognition or is there not? I feel like there's something there. Okay. Yeah. But I wouldn't say like doing a Skype call, she'd be like, I know that guy. Okay. Like, yeah, that's, I was trying to like place because I think of like my friends with yeah. like young kids who were like, you yeah. know, the surprisingly young age, they recognize, you know what I mean? When they look over, like there's FaceTime and stuff like there that. There is so a wondering. remarkable sparkle in her eyes when I feel like I'm hanging out with her. And my mom is, mm-hmm. my mom stays in there because she just, that's who she has. Yeah. Man, my mom will not move for the life of her. She's going to stay there as long as my sister's there. Yeah. Um, was she like the primary care- caretaker? I mean, it sounds like you did a lot, but my dad, your was, dad was okay. My dad was my dad did a lot of the caretaking. Man, there was a, that guy. He would just study how to do computer science. What was your dad's it, name? Uh, same as mine. Oh, okay. Are you yeah. junior or was it just a first name? He had this crazy thing that when he named me, uh, they took forever to name me. They were supposed to name me Herbert after <laughs> my grandfather, <laughs> and it was his. Uh, that was his father's name. And my grandmother called up and she was like, you will not name him Herbert. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, the grandmother that named... Or she so was, her husband. Yeah, her, her husband. husband. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's cool, and, Grandma. And, and, then, and she's like, you will not name him Herbert. <laughs> I was like, probably good for modern time right now. I don't know if that name would have flown yeah. well. Well, Herbert. Well, I mean, people's names are coming Herb. back. Herb. Yeah. You I know. guess not Herbert. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I was almost named Basil. So Ooh, yeah. that's a great spice. General, hospi- uh, general hospital saving, so... It's a spice, right? What? Spice, right? Yeah, it's an herb, actually. Yeah, herb. Yeah, see how it all comes with yeah, I want to call you basil. What? No, I, I asked my mom specifically about this. She's like, no, we wouldn't call you basil. We'd call you basil. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah, just like, yeah. of oh. course. And then she like was the in, basal cortex. Yeah, and then yeah. she was in the no, not like that at all. <laughs> yeah. but, but she was in the hospital and uh, saw like General Hospital and yeah. said there was a character called Tony on there. Right. That's why it says Tony on my birth certificate. True story. I'll prick at that. It's a true you know, story. But, yeah, it is a true story. Double true fact. True. I like so it. growing up, I mean, now you talk about this, you know, special relationship you have with your sister, and mm-hmm. it's obviously you speak with a lot of love about her. But as a child, again, you know, like, how did you feel about that? Did you ever, like, resent that? That, like, because obviously, like, she no. requires a lot more attention. No, I, I always had a concept of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, like, when you're four. Yeah. But, like, I had a, a very defined concept of what was going on with my sister. My dad made it very present. That's very much an integral part of, like, helping out with her. You know, I would say one thing about you is like you from the first time I met you, I was like, like you gave me a hug and I just met you, you know, but it wasn't yeah. like a creepy thing. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. like, oh, he's like, me. it's not like when Jim hugs you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at Jim looking at me. I didn't even say it. John said it. Jim stare at him like that. He's still staring. At me. That's, okay, a, that's, that's an inviting stare. At yeah. John. An inviting stare. I like that. <laughs> no, but uh, it's not a but long. I think there was a real, you know, I, I say this without, you know, uh, hyperbole. I think there's a real kindness to you. That's what I thought yeah. when I first saw you. You're very kind. And I don't know. It's, it seems to me like, I mean, you have a, from a young age, like a perspective and like kind of a concern for others. That's the, the yeah, feeling I'm getting. Definitely. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. Maybe like, you know, 
going back to like part of that thing you asked me about the assess you, maybe that like a defensive nature I have where I'm giving you a tough time might yeah. be to protect that own kindness. Yeah. Like no, I mean, it doesn't that, bother so. me. I'm just wondering if it's genuine. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. No, it is. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten far worse, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I'm a pretty kind guy. Okay, yeah, no, you seem like it, so. I'll be humble about it. You've got kind eyes. Ooh. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> do you, like, you know, you're in Detroit right now, but do you ever see yourself going back to D.C., like, you know, to be closer to your sister? Like, you know, when your mom passes or something like that? Like At this point, uh, my home is where I make it. Mm-hmm. I've just learned that that's what I do. Do you ever feel guilt about that or no? No, no. Okay. I uh, I definitely I spent many nights where I just I wish I had been back home. Mm. Like Detroit, I haven't been Detroit very long. Yeah, how long has it been? About two years and maybe two months. Okay, not a long time. Do you want to go back to like where we were? Yeah, like let's go back there. Something like yeah. That, so, uh, like college, first of all. So, how did you manage to go get to college? That's a great question. <laughs> I was like, I seriously like it's an awkward laugh. About that. Um, nope, you're too uh, self-conscious. It wasn't awkward at all. Uh, thanks. Not until you said that. Yep, now yeah. I made you self-conscious. Ooh, See what you. I did now there? It's weird. Yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be like, I am in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you doing right now? You're like rubbing your rubbing palms Rubbing my together. hands to kind of, I don't know why, this has helped me picture this. Okay. Like after... Friction. Yeah, there you go. Physics. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can laugh, Jim. It's like you're applying <laughs> yeah. the physics. Uh, right before graduation, um, yeah. I sold our house. You sold the house. Yeah, I sold okay. the house because my my dad had passed. Yeah, he'd always told me you're you're gonna have to move on, and that's what I did. Yeah, and was your sister already in a home by this time? Yes, my dad knew this was coming. So yeah, so. it was uh, it was something that I remember. He really took me into the process of making sure that I knew where she was going. How did that make you? I know you talk about your dad did a lot to prepare you for that, but how did that make you feel? Did it scare you, or I got to say, like there, there's no concept of understanding that it's like this is scary versus what maybe Jim or John's going through. Like I didn't have that concept of compar- comparison. Yeah. I understood that some people had different circumstances, but I just realized these are my circumstances, and I just got to go through this. Yeah, and I think that the reflection happens now at this age. It's yeah, like, whoa, that was a that was a lot. So, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is like no kid, I, I don't think, you know, really likes, feels comfortable with the thought, especially at a young age of their parent dying. Like, here's an example, like, like, it's funny, like the things kids over here when they're younger, like my mom, she came home from the doctor one day, I was probably like eight or nine years old. I was in the basement watching TV and I overheard their conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's probably like in her forties, you know what I mean? Actually, I was much younger. I was probably like like four or five right she came back from the doctor and she was like in her 40s and my dad said you know well how was the appointment and she's like oh the doctor says i might live like another 40 or 50 years and i started crying because i had no concept of of what that was like oh my god my mom's gonna die you know Yeah, but I was like, I know, I I was like sobbing into my pillow, like while like Buck Rogers reruns. No, they they know to this day they don't Uh, know that story. I never told them that story. Oh, well now they're gonna hear it when they listen. Oh, I just wanted to hear Heather say "Little Tony." Yeah. I know you like that. I love all the little Tonys. Yeah, he was a very anxious little boy that was good at extrapolating. My favorite one is when you saw that guy get hit by a car. Yeah, that's true. Tricycle or whatever. Yeah. Did you just watch? What model car was it? What? You just watched a guy get hit by a. He was a baby. I told the story. I was like, uh, it was one of my earliest memories. Uh, I was sitting on my big wheel. And there was this girl on a scooter that was like hit by a car. All this, all hell broke loose. And I rode home and I told my mom, mm-hmm. and this being like the early 80s, rather than a normal parent today being like, oh my God, like trying to calm me down, 
she took me and my sister and she's like, hey, let's go check it out. So we all walked over there and this woman was getting put into an ambulance like her her legs were like bleeding, you know, and cut up and stuff. And she was screaming, you know, and she's like, don't let them take my I don't want to lose my legs. I don't want to lose my legs. She was screaming. And then the paramedic, he was just like irritated and he was just like, they're not going to amputate your legs. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. So I think that informs a lot of my humor. And that really is like the perfect encapsulation of how I was raised. You know what I mean? Like what's the dark sense of humor? Yeah. Well, it comes from that. I also saw another friend hit by a car from a much closer distance. While we're playing hide and seek, and then also when I when I was horrible hiding spot in front of the car, hide in the middle of the street. We were were, yeah, we were were playing hide and seek, hiding behind a car in the street, and he ran out and he was hit by a girl who was coming home from the Secretary of State. She had just gotten her license; she was 16 years old, and yeah, and then so that was, and even then, like it, I've always had a thing of being very calm in situations. Uh I mean, I was like 10 maybe, and there was this. You know, like his his brother was there and everybody's freaked out. And then he was just like, I don't know. And I said, I'm not going to say his name, but let's call him Jim, you know, or James. Like, I'm like, James, go inside and get your parents. You know, like I just yelled at him. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. You know, just like, all right. You know, and then everybody's screaming and stuff. But Tony uh, knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you wonder about this dead face. There's some deadness behind it too, you know. No, but also like, uh, I'll tell another quick story about my, I don't want to share all these stories, but uh, like I, I put my, I, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'll, I'll be cut. Kind of depth out of here. I'll be cut by the way. Yeah. No, I, don't. No, it's, I'm not going to cut this. So. I put maybe I will now, but I put my arm through some glass, you know, and uh, I cut my arm, you know, and I was in the kitchen. My mom's a nurse, you know, so she's also my my parents are very calm people. They're stoics, yeah. And so we they're running like the the water over my arm, and it was bleeding. And I saw the white meat. This first time I saw the white meat, you know, because I've been cut pretty bad. And I was like, I don't want to die. And I started talking just like that woman that got hit by the car. Like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then my parent, my dad is like, you're not going to die, you know? (laughs) And then then they both started yelling at me. They're just like, what's the problem with this kid? You know, he's going to die with a stupid cut on his arm. Come on. Like they're talking and then they're in Malayalam. They're going to die 40 to 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I regret sharing that already. Okay. Anyway, so. I I know that's, I know that feeling. I told, all right, here, right here. Put your hand here. Where? All right. Oh, Tom, that's your private area. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel that in that index finger right here? Mm. Right oh, yeah. There's like joint. a... Yeah. yeah. Oh, it? yeah. Yeah. What is that? What All is right. That? So similar to you being like, oh, no, I hope I don't die. Yeah. Um, I remember I got pushed in one of those fights. Yeah. And I got pushed onto some glass. Mm. And like I, I saw it and I tried to dodge it. But like when I came down, I still fell on this hand. And that hand just came on the glass, and I just cut this finger so deeply that now, it, like, it just kind of goes that far. Yeah, it's like part of the tendons cut a little bit. Oh, okay. And then this finger was cut, and it was kind of hanging at an angle. This one was hanging all the way back, and then this Dang. one was hanging at a different angle. And I remember I came back, and I remember consciously at nine years old, just kind of pulling this finger and putting it back. Uh, and that was the most excruciating pain. And I go back to my home, and my dad's on the porch, and he's like, "What'd you do?" <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, looks like your circulation works. I was like, I don't want to die. Ah. <laughs> he's like, so let me ask you, did yeah. you even go to the hospital? Oh yeah, he took oh, okay. me to the hospital. He was, he looked Please. at it, and when it like fell back, he's like, oh yeah, you gotta go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, never mind. I cut, <laughs> like, 
could see you just like health insurance. Uh, oh, yeah, got to use it. I cut through part of my fingers tendons too, right here. Oh yeah, I punched through some fiberglass and it cut up my hand pretty bad. You, you, why are you punching? You're gonna fight with a pink panther? What's going on? Listen, <laughs> Owen's corny. Yeah. Sometimes the fiberglass angers you and you punch it to show it who's oh. the boss. Mm. It I, never angered mm. me again. I was thought it, insulation was soft. Was it a fiberglass? It's itchy. Yeah. What, what fiberglass were you punching? Like, like a Corvette? Yeah, that's what I was sitting here thinking. You punch somebody's car, your boss's car? No, it's part of a house. Oh. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the attic insulation. Oh. It was in a bathroom. I was just yeah. like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know. But I cut it, and it, it, like, for the longest time, my finger would just dip down to, like, the bone and then come back up. Ooh, but man. I didn't. And I cut this big flap of skin. It was like Kermit's mouth flopping around. I yeah, just yeah. put a Band-Aid on. I'm like, yeah, finger still works. Just ignore that. And yep. I just went to dinner with my mom's girlfriend right after it. And I was like, oh, dad, there's a hole in your bathroom now. Sorry. Wait, this was your house you did this at? This was my dad's house. Oh, my God. Oh, man. His house shouldn't have made me mad. Respect people's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> His stuff should have respected my boundaries. Yeah, you're, don't get into a argument. Yeah. <laughs> a argument. Yeah, it's one you can never Wow. Win. Yeah. So, going to college, what kind of adjustment was that? Because you just recently lost your father. You sold the house. Yeah. Where did you go for undergrad, by the way? I went to a school called Hamden Sydney College. And where is that in? Uh, that is in Hamden Sydney, Virginia. It's next to the. Is it near where you grew up? The, or no, the largest major town uh, is called Farmville, Virginia, next to us. Okay. So it's a pretty big joke on me when I was. I remember from like 2006, 2010. That was when that game Farmville on Facebook was hot. Yeah. And friends would be like, "Oh, yeah, Farmville. Farmville. Yeah, it's like, how's my farm doing? Yeah, you got to yeah. click for 45 minutes. Enjoy. Yeah, there you go. I'm proud to say I never played that game. Neither though I got I. about 3,000 invites for it. But like, uh, so. Uh, you know, after selling the whole house and whatnot, I'm, my mom, she heads off to go stay with her family. Yeah. Um, Did you have a lot of family around, like, growing up? Very or? spread out. Yeah. Major concentration of my family was in Niagara Falls region. Oh, okay. My dad's side. Do and, you have any contact with them today? Or? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I oh, yeah. They, they were the ones that I reached out to to build the connection with. But I wanted to maintain that distance because I already kind of knew what it was like to be on my own. Yeah. I had a car. I had been a mechanic since I was 14 mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Yeah. And I always kind of maintained like being a shop boy to like moving up to like doing like brake jobs and like learning through the trade, like being apprenticed by people. And then I, I remember the guy who taught me the most was from 17 to 19 was a guy named Donnie Moore at Mechanics Auto Repair. I still go back. I still go see that old Irish oh, yeah? guy. He, I remember he fired everybody before I saw him. <laughs> and he was just like... He was like, uh, you're not looking for a job, are you, kid? And I was like, yeah, I'm totally looking for a job. And yeah. he was like, well, what's your skill background? And he, I guess he just saw that he could like help build me up from like raw fundamentals. Yeah. And I did anything and everything. He wanted me to do the build cars in that shop. So have you always been interested in cars? or it, What it became was it was, to me, it was like the trade set. Like you, you'd be a plumber, you'd be a mechanic, you move stuff, carpenter. Like that was your hustle when yeah. you lived in that blue collar area. We were okay. In. Like that's the background everybody had. And my dad was always like, get a sheepskin, get a degree. Because to him, he didn't have that so he oh. couldn't become an officer. Oh. And he was like, I can't get into those kind of paths because he wanted to do computer science, but he just couldn't. Yeah. I remember him like trying to apply for jobs. He knew tons of C, mm-hmm. but they would not take him because he graduated in 1965 with a high school degree. Oh, wow. And he, yeah. was, he was like, get a sheepskin. That's like your weapon right there. 
I was like, I told that guy, Donnie, I was like, if you just teach me, I was like, I promise you, I will not spend my career being a mechanic. And like, for whatever reason, that was his, that was my ticket. He was like, I will teach you, but you cannot be a mechanic for the rest of your Donnie life. Donnie said that to you. Yeah. Wow. So in a way, he's similar to your father. Yeah. 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 He was like, you got to, like, you got to move on from this. Yeah. I took that and I ran with it and I worked on tons of things from like modern cars at the time, which was anything new and around that period of like 2006. Okay. And by the way, this is about the time when like, you know, Fast and the Furious was all like a big thing. So everybody wanted their like yeah, cars my, kitted up I and had stuff. A, yeah I had an, a 94 Acura Integra GSR Ooh. and like I had like outfitted it with like it was a legit suspension on it I rebuilt the transmission multiple times I was definitely illegally drag racing Ooh, did you, racing. Get the, you get the H22 swap no yeah. I, I kept the straight B18 and yeah. just kept running that I remember going up to stoplights by 7-Eleven and we had like you pull up two lanes had a little more than a quarter mile to run you run the quarter mile and like it broke down to one lane. Whoever was there, that guy won and then you had to pay the cash. The only thing I understood about that was 7 Eleven. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> fine. I'm not a car guy, but no, <laughs> no, no I believe you. And to, to me, the concept, like I was not a, I was not a car guy, but yeah. I remember getting dissed and shut down by people. It was the same thing in the neighborhood. I was like, you know what, screw this. I can learn how to get these skills. And it was, I oh, think it was okay. trying to get back at people. I like, see. I was like, I can get these skills and be able to win here now is it, tr- is it true that people would like you know like in uh fast and the furious are like let's race for pink slips so if you w- beat the guy then you get his car did that really ever happen does that happen sure yeah that stuff happens did you ever win a car no i've never run for pink slips oh I you haven't do that i don't have that kind of expendable car oh, okay because the car became you've heard like people like they can't get the jobs because you know like poor public transit yeah. systems well a car is a, a vehicle to get you to where you need to be so you sure. can it's raise your power. economic yep. standards so i remember that vividly and I was like, you know, I stay, I keep a car, I learn how to fix it, this is my place. And I lived out in my car for a fair bit from between 18 to 25. I couch surfed all that time from undergrad through grad school. So you weren't staying in the dorms for college? I had a dorm that I would go back to, but when you had your breaks or your weekends, yeah. I, what was I going to do? I went back with everybody I stayed with was friends. Wow. Or like I had to go ahead and sleep out in my car sometimes and be bouncing around. You didn't like, stay in the Integra though, did you? The Integra I kept up until my junior year in college. Or no, my senior year. And then I sold that to get into grad school so I could have funds to go ahead and pay for the move and everything. Yeah. Because I had acquired a BMW E30, the 1989 one. You still got that, yeah. Yeah. And I picked that up because mm-hmm. I was working in a mechanic shop in college. Okay. I was working in a mechanic shop. So to back it up so yeah that's fine we're I all was, about moving yeah. you know we're a time machine here sure i uh don't know no, don't hit the mic though yeah, sorry I, there's not hit a time it. machine that can it's, fix that he likes yeah. it when you hit the mic i stand. do not like hold see, your, you see how i'm the you, one you can trust now who, tom hold your cell phone up against the yeah. wire he loves that <laughs> who are you peter russell about this microphone thing the russell peters you yeah. mean yeah there you go <laughs> dyslexia you don't even know racism <laughs> come on tom get your peter russell is a great man yeah yeah, never mind. So anyway, <laughs> I've done that multiple times. Yeah. No, it's fine. So we're uh, so you yeah. know learned to be a mechanic. Yeah. Don went to college. Uh, I landed. At what did you study? Physics and math. Okay. Physics. And what well, what kind of adjustment was college for you? Big. I didn't understand the environment I was in. Hamden, Sydney, for people I don't know. Uh, None of us know. Hamden, Sydney is where Stephen Colbert went for the first two years of his oh, academic career. Hmm. Yeah. Shout out. Then he transferred out and he went to Northwestern. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Mondry tried to get into there. Shout yeah, out to I, our last episode. Yeah, yeah. I heard it. <laughs> he's that. totally cool with it. So yeah. I stayed at Hamden, Sydney. I got in their scholarships. Okay. Um, 
No financial aid? It was all scholarships? No, I definitely had a lot of financial aid. Okay. That was a big part of it, too. It's all paid off, though, right? No, right? No. I have a That was a joke, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Did it make you feel like an outsider? I mean, first of all, coming on top of this thing where you're not familiar with the environment. And then also, it's almost like, not, not that you're homeless. I mean, I guess you are homeless. I mean, did you consider yourself homeless? or I filed as independent every year. I was always just on my own. I didn't have any... De- I couldn't say I was dependent on my parents. Yeah. That was a very weird thing for that school. Like a lot, it was a private school, and a lot of people from that background they came from. So it was a pretty wealthy school, or yeah, it was a pretty comfortable living private place. college. Yeah, or? yeah. Oh, a, lot okay. of, a lot of people came from comfortable backgrounds. Yeah, they give you a concept. Like most people, the parents were like they own a small business. Yeah, some of them are politicians or mayors or whatnot. Uh, there are a lot of great guys I met at Hamden. Yeah, sure. It's an all gentleman school, mind you. There's oh. only three, you know, three of those left in the nation. Do you, did they have a sister university like, you know, uh, Radcliffe is to... Uh, yeah, Virginia Tech. Yeah. Or, or Radford. No, no Radcliffe is like the equivalent of like Yale or Harvard. It's like it was a women's oh, college. Oh, you're talking about that one. Yes. The Ivy League. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. forgot what its sister uh, yeah. or brother college is. I, I think it's thinking, Harvard. I was thinking Virginia Tech had Radford or whatnot. Oh, like okay. That. No, but did um, you have like a sister university? Yeah, there were a couple uh, all-girls schools around the area. Um, so would you like take trips up there for like, you know, sock hops? It sounds very like I, old not, school. I, I'm not even going to lie. Like a lot of the females would come over to our school on, yeah? like, on football weekends and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they would come. Those girls are thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't use that term back then, and though. No, it yeah. was not part of it. Yeah. Um, but they we, say they we, be, they're freaks. <laughs> we had it. <laughs> I looked right at Jim when I said that. I remember, like, it was like a thing. You would get dressed up for football games. Like, you would get into, like, khakis, blazer, your cotton blue, your ties, your bow ties, whatnot. Wow. And, like, this was, this, was, this was not something that I, I yeah. was acquainted to. Mm-hmm. I remember the first day when we were in, like, orientation, they gave us an etiquette book. And they said a Hamsony pocket uh, man's pocketbook to etiquette or something like yeah. that. And it had things about how to tie a bow tie, how to tie a tie, how to place your forks and knives on a table. Yeah. What was the preferred knot for the tie? <laughs> I always did a half Windsor. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Half Windsor's always been my go-to. Mm. Um, have you been to Windsor, by the way? <laughs> tons. You have? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm just asking. Yeah, my, my better half lives over there. Oh, she does? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because so she moved- she's Canadian. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean she lives in Windsor. <laughs> yeah, she she moved out. She moved out here from. California. Oh wait, can she not come into the states? Uh, not right now. No, because oh, okay. she, uh, she's got to find a way to get that visa thing to work. Mm-mm-mm. But she moved from Calgary out here to Windsor. I see. So. No, I, I was sort of meaning like she can't cross the border. Oh no, she comes over. I know, but that was a joke. See, that was a rare time where the joke actually. You, you're taking all my jokes too seriously. This is a very serious that. podcast. That's I'm true. I'm gonna. St- I'm, you know what? I'm abandoning the jokes, there, guys. There's so much seriousness going on. Yeah, that was the biggest joke when I said it. I'm abandoning the jokes. Um, I miss like our, our, our. We have such great banter over like Facebook Messenger. But you know, it's much more hostile. I should read. It is like, really a t- hostile. <laughs> I should read. I'll read a transcript of our banter on another episode. Oh, oh maybe me and John can read some banter of yours. Uh, maybe. Oh, well, man. he talks a lot of shit about you guys. So anyway, oh, uh, I'll leave that out. <laughs> this guy, he's digging a hole. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But His I'm master of the underground. Yeah. Hamden, Sydney was like this. Uh, I love how I'm like keeping it on track. No, you're good. You know, our guests do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining like mint juleps. Yeah. And, um, well, it, it sounds like almost like Ivy League. Honestly, rags. it was like consider- they, people call it the Princeton of the South. Okay. And Ooh. yeah, I know. Fancy. Eh? It's like For- Princeton with more racism, right? Yeah. No. Hey, I'm from yeah. the South. I know about. Yeah, some John racism. can speak. You're from Florida, right? No, but he's I from would... the, the the racist part of Florida. Northern Florida, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. This guy. I was practically Georgia. Yeah. yeah. 
So did you tell people about your situation? Like, you know, like, oh, I don't have a place to stay. Because, you know, I know this is a really horrible comparison, but it makes me think of Harry Potter, you know, like, because uh, yeah. he had no place to go, really, for vacation, unless he wanted to live in the cupboard. I never watched any Harry Potter, so I don't know the analogy. Well, he his parents died when he was young because oh. they were killed by an evil wizard. Spoiler alert, Harry Potter. <laughs> Isn't this like James and the Giant Peach? Yeah, uh, maybe, Except but there's no giant wizard in that. Is yeah, there? and Harry Potter's a smidge more I popular than the giant. Yeah. I've seen it too. Movie. It's a great movie. They were both British, so it's ninety. More people know Harry same. Potter, but yeah. I'm gonna cut all this out. But anyway, to explain Come Harry on. Potter, <laughs> I mean, who wants to hear about a Harry Potter explanation? You Tom, know? never get, never believe him when he says he's gonna cut it out no, because you've doesn't. listened to the yeah. podcast. I you definitely know. cut things out. I guys. tried to tally it one time, and I got to like something like twenty one. It should be a drinking game, and I was just like, man, this is awesome. I just got very excited. And one episode? Yeah. yeah. One episode. <laughs> one episode. It was 20, 21. T- there was a, man, you went through like a spree of them in like a yeah. minute. Like you, I remember you hit eight and I was like, whoa. Was that when he's like, I'm going to cut this out. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. But it, I'm not. It's but like, yeah, I'm definitely cutting it's like, it out. It's like a twitch of yours, like, <laughs> like Mr. Mackey from like South Park. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Max Headroom. <laughs> <laughs> but I do actually cut things out. Like I will do with this. No, yeah. I'm I'm gonna keep this in. What if we call you out for saying we're gonna cut this? Yeah, out? I don't care. I've gotten the thing I've gotten more is I remember teachers mentioning um, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah, we get that one a lot. Well, you got in. You got a scholarship by solving a equation on a, somebody wrote on a blackboard, right? Wasn't that yeah. you were a janitor at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. The, the mechanic things just you know that was just the fool you guys. It was the janitor. Yeah, and you were really in construction. I was solving. I was actually solving problems down in Gilmer Hall, which is AKA MIT. So you were pretty. It sounds like you were pretty set on what you wanted to do from an early age, being. Uh, a physicist? To me, what it was, it was uh, economic stability. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to make sure I could provide for myself. Yeah. Like I could go ahead and put a roof over my head or something. And But physics seems like an odd, you know. I know. You know. Like, Nobody I, ever I, talks about those physics jobs out there. I know. It Stephen do- Hawking, well, he gets paid. Yeah, he, that guy makes paper. Yeah. That is good paper chase. He makes Bitcoin, yo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, right. That stuff's still relevant. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you follow the markets, damn it. But the, why? Yeah, why physics? Because it doesn't seem like an economic choice. So like, I go, I go to Hamden, Sydney. I'm trying to learn like how to fit into this environment. Yeah. Which you know, Hamden, Sydney was a reverse from where I grew up. Like, Did you think about quitting? Oh yeah, like a second year, I was very set on quitting. I was just, I can make more money being a mechanic. Yeah. Because here's the thing: I went to Hamden, Sydney. And that freshman year, I landed a mechanic job with Dougie Doug at a Hamden Sydney Auto Repair. Mm-hmm. That that, yeah, that was my boss. Oh no, this guy! It was a really dirty shop, gravel uh, yard for the parking the cars. Like mm-hmm. it was just a rough little shop outside of my school. Oh okay. And I worked there uh, part time for all four years. I love that it's an affluent school with just the dirtiest garage hey. next to it. Yeah, well, there's like it's outside of the town, so it was oh, like yeah. in one of the smaller little townships. So I went there, and that's where I found a job. So I worked with him. And so you were tempted to just go work there full time, and uh, or I mean, rather no, no, just I was quit I, I was going to bounce and go back home. Oh, okay, because like, I could make I could work with Don, and then but then get, you had to face him. Oh yeah, and I was like, that's the part they couldn't couldn't work together yeah i was just like well then be big letdown did you talk to anybody about your thoughts about like hey i want to quit or i guess that's my question who did you turn to because you went through all this stuff especially as an adult you're totally on your own was this just all stuff you figured on your own or did you have somebody you could share it with it was in constant flux man Mm -hmm. it was such in a flux like 
I had a girlfriend at the time and I tried to relate to her, but like some of the things she just didn't really catch, but her parents were just really good with. Yeah. Then we broke up, like then that relationship stopped. Yeah. But they were like kind of my confidants a bit. And then like one of my friends from college, his parents became my confidants in grad school. Oh, okay. Um, and we're still friends. And I'll go back home and couch surf there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man. They're, they're saving grace to me at mm. times. Like they just, they really. You want to shout them out? Uh, the burner family yeah okay yeah they, hell yeah they, burner family they have watched out for me mm-hmm. um really appreciate them you back the right horse burner family <laughs> trying to have like a moral compass yeah it's like what to do yeah a lot of it was all it's a classic i hate to think of it as like a classic statement of like you pull yourself up for your bootstraps yeah but i just i think it was all that stuff ingrained from my dad yeah he's like you hold your own responsibility But I will say that I think that is a message that the wealthy, you know, sell to the poor. Uh, I think that if you look at the people that rarely, don't worry, that was just a reminder for my phone. That's our magic question of the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Where we shit on the government and the idea of the the wealthy plutocrat. There's this whole idea of like the American dream, which is true, but like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You'll hear many a politician talk about this. It is... The actual cases of people pulling themselves by their bootstraps, I mean, Tom, you're one, but it's it's a myth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you look at all these, like, wealthy people. You look at any industry, like, you know, it's really networking and wealth. You get these opportunities. You talked about it yourself, the kids that, you know, you went to college with, Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the family connections and stuff. It's not to say that people yeah. can't do that, but if you look at the majority of the situation, yeah. it's not true at all. That was a really important skill we learned from, like, etiquette like after class etiquette mm-hmm. things we would do at him saying that you would learn networking's a very important thing. yeah but i had already kind of learned that that you had to get to know people like i had to learn how to find a place to stay yeah you know it's just like you got to be able to talk with people create connections and that's your network yeah otherwise you you might falter and not be able to support yourself it sounds like there was no turning point or what was the thing that finally made you decide like after year two like oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get, come back and do this get the sheepskin Okay, so you thought about your dad. Yeah, it was like, get the sheepskin. And, you know, the reason why I did physics and math was the concept was I'd always, I didn't know there was a grad school for automotive engineering. Okay. And I just, I really stuck to this concept that I said, I gotta, I got mechanics. I was like, you know what? The only thing I could think of was I use what I have now and try to build off of that and then Mm -hmm. understand more about the car and become a renaissance man on the car. And like that way I have something that people can turn to for a skill and i was like all right cool because then people will pay for that yeah and then i can use that to like you know help support myself yeah and that's the avenue i went down i got the physics and math and then i was able to leverage that so so your degree was in physics and math yeah i have two majors so physics and applied math okay you know bachelor of science and did you finish in four years yep wow amazing yeah so and they had a ton of prereqs there oh my god like 70 hours of prereqs at yeah sydney mm. so this whole like idea of being a renaissance man was really ingrained in you it's awesome oh really so is that part of why you chose it because it kind of fit with your father's dream for you and kind of what you had taken on yourself that was the only school he and i went to to check out because he passed oh i see after oh. but like i had applied to a lot of florida schools because little in fact i was i was a doing junior olympics when i was in high school for rowing oh really yeah i was really good at rowing um i really loved it and i had some places down in florida that wanted to pick me up 
Florida. Florida's got lots of streams and rivers to row in. Oh, yeah. Did you ever look at like Washington? They have a big rowing team. Yeah, I, I looked at them, but Florida showed so much interest. In okay. It. So, did they ever offer you? John, or? you troll. <laughs> hey, streams I rivers. live by Gainesville. I used to be on the Itchitakini River. Yeah. What about the Gulf I of Mexico? I thought you were about to say rowing team, and I was about to call major <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> But I anyway, could have been. Yeah. So did they offer you a scholarship? or? Here's the catch is that there are no scholarships for men in rowing. It's not in NCAA oh, sport. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is for women. Yeah, you're it right. You're women, right. Yeah. But for men, it is not. It's a club Sexist. sport. Sexist. Yeah. Wow. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so you never made it to the Henley Regatta, huh? No. I never made it to Dad Vales. Never got to do the boat race yeah. in England. Yeah. Yeah. So... I had You're to. maybe one of the only people outside of the sports department that I've ever talked about that way. Yeah, right. And then gets it right away. <laughs> I know. It's just like one of these things. That well, I just blacked right. out for a second. Yeah, I know. That's how what I did in the street racing segment. Um, Kept doing that through uh, college. Yeah. Yeah, blacking out. You got so, a drinking problem? Yeah. <laughs> stayed, I stayed into street racing and stuff. Oh, yeah? But he turned into drifting with a friend because I was a mechanic for him. Was that after Fast and the Furious 2 Tokyo Drift? Uh, that was actually about the time when that movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that Fast and the Furious 2 or 3? Three? 3 is three. Tokyo yep, Drift. That's yeah. what I thought. Yep. I used to have an S13 and then I had an S14. Yeah. We totally didn't mean to follow the trajectory of that, but like... It's so funny. <laughs> it's like there is this 10-year period I've been in the auto industry and it's just been like... There is this movie franchise that followed it all the way. Well, at least yeah. you didn't follow, like, you know, Lindsay Lope. When the last the Herbie, movie Herbie came movies. Out, did you start, like, flying cars across buildings? I didn't have CGI on my side. What kind so. of car did you have for your drifting team? So that was the IROC Z that my friend had. An IROC? Yeah. So yeah, you said drifting team. I was like, it didn't sound that yeah. official. No, like it wasn't. Z, it like wasn't. So this was, a, this was a friend of mine in high school, mm-hmm. uh, Zach Catlin. Shout out, yeah, to shout out to Zach. The Gat- Hell yeah, Zach. That's a cool last name, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he is such a good wheelman. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? A wheelman. He's, driver. He's, he's just, okay. He's just so I didn't know, <laughs> no, Jim. No, God. Cool. If you watch Fast and the Furious. She was so angry. Yeah. It's, like, it's a driver. <laughs> I mean, I, even I assumed that, Tony. Well, I was, thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of like a pit crew and get somebody. Him. No, it's like, like if you rob another. a bank, you need a wheelman to get away. Okay. Oh, maybe I do know that. I don't know. I just didn't know in the moment. Oh, so much pressure. He was so, he was so good at driving and like uh, when we were in college I had that Acker Integra and we'd go do some track days together or whatnot. But like I could never keep pace with this guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, eventually I sold my car to make it into grad school. Yeah. He was so much good at spinning a wrench, so much better at spinning a wrench than I was. Mm-hmm. And like I was still such a novice to him. Or yeah. a Tyro. Yeah. Ooh, your word. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah, that's yeah. really I only hear that in like film speak. Yeah, there you go. Why I, do you remember me ta- saying that word to you? No, I just heard you guys a word, like really word of the day or something like that. Oh, fact yeah. of the week. There you go. Yeah, you're a big listener. Anyway. Um <laughs> so <laughs> how long <Ooh. laughs> no. I believe like, in your listening skills. Yeah. So did you go right into grad school then after graduating? Yeah, right after I graduated. And um, where'd you go to grad school? Uh, Clemson University. Oh, Clemson. Yeah. So were you rooting for them in the national title game, or did you not care? I Honestly, I only care about it when they hit the... It's like the Super Bowl. I only you know, actually, you should that. read about... Uh, I don't know, Dabble Sweeney, their coach? Yeah. He came up real tough, too. And the real thing that shines about him is that how close he was to his mom and how he didn't have any shame about his situation. Like, he actually, at one point, they didn't have any money, and his mom lost her mom lost her home and so rather than have her be homeless he said mom come up to clemson and share my dorm with me so he shared a dorm with his mom yeah you know and most people would be like oh this is really humiliating and stuff and he's like you know what you got to make the 
the best of situations. That re- seems like the RA would not yeah. appreciate it. I really, no. I really respect that. Like that's such a good story. And so many other bad me. things happen to him too. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's a really sad story. You know, when you graduated, did you show Don your diploma? Yeah, I, ga- you- I gave him a call and I invited him to come to graduation, but he's busy fixing a car. Yeah. Did <laughs> anybody like, come to your graduation? My mom. It was the first time she came to campus, and that's you know we had just been rebuilding that relationship. Yeah. Those four years. What was that feeling like, you know, graduating? Like, did you think, I'm, I can't imagine you didn't, I can imagine you would think about your dad quite a bit. Yeah, it was pretty bitter. I was really sad that he wasn't there, but I wasn't as sad as when I was in high school. Like, oh, that was my, my dad just wanted to make it to my high school graduation. And he was short by like, what, six months? A month and a half. Wow, that close. Yeah. And I remember, I remember sitting in the audience and like having that such real concept of like, what responsibility was going to be. Yeah. And like everybody's like, I'm going to college and you're going to college and we're going to graduate and we're going to go party. And I remember just sitting there thinking, you guys are all crazy. Like, do you realize <laughs> we're getting a degree up there? Responsibility is done once that's in my hand. <laughs> like, was, our responsibility begins right when I get that yeah, in my yeah. hand. And I was like, you were in a much longer haul. I'm just sitting there looking at everybody I'm like, you guys, children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. You were, you were way grown up. You've been grown up for a while, it sounds like. So like, yeah, when I graduated college, kind of a similar thing. I, my friends that I got from that school were what we would think we call ourselves the grassroots Hampton Sydney men. Okay. Um, we didn't smoke quite, a lot of weed. <laughs> thanks. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that at our disposal. Okay. But we, you uh, can stop waving your hands in front of my face. I won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a joke. I'm not going right. to acknowledge that. Yeah. Good. No, <laughs> you have to buy in. That's how you know it's a joke. I know. I'm just no button this stuff. Guys. Yeah. This is not what you do in improv. Yeah. It's funny. It's surprising how many guests do that. But anyway, so then jumping forward again to Clemson. So it was more about like, did you feel like, okay, I'm like halfway there. Once I, once gra- I go, going to grad school. Man, once I got to Clemson, like it was just like buckled down. It was a shock. So you finished at Clemson. So that was like an eight year, eight year stretch in which you were homeless. It sounds like. It was pretty close to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, periodically. To me, really having my own place has become. I mean, if I could just say, like, yeah, I always had a place. It was where I created a home. Yeah. No, well, you said that. You've said that before. Yeah. But now I really consider the place that I have is like once I made it to Detroit. How soon after you graduated did you make it here? Did you come here? Like, because you were talking about, I want to oh, make man. it in the audience, or did you get a job out of college here? Or No, I didn't immediately. Yeah, immediately. I, I applied for a job. I applied for a job up here and then I worked with them and then I moved from them to another engineering firm and that's where I'm at. And you know, one thing we talk about, it's, it's interesting talking to you because you sound, your mentality sounds a lot like an immigrant, like my parents, because when one thing you haven't talked about is dreams, you know what I mean? Is like you've talked yeah. about, you've talked about influences, but you haven't talked about dreams and that's yeah. a big part of America is the American dream and it is not a big part of uh, growing up as an immigrant or a child of immigrants, yeah, uh, it creates a lot of problems actually because the kids have dreams. They're taught to have dreams, and the parents are like, "No, you have opportunity." Like, yeah, you know, my mom is a nurse, but she didn't dream of becoming a nurse. She had an yeah. opportunity to be a nurse. Yeah, uh, my dad worked for Ford, but he didn't have a dream of working for Ford. He had an opportunity. Yeah, um, just in general terms, without getting too into it, like the uh, the specificity of it has. Do dreams have anything to do with this? Because you're talking about you know making the paper and all that stuff and when you finally got into the you know the industry did that start to strike you because it's a hard thing to ignore you know i mean obviously you have a very pressing need of like to support yourself but at some point when you reach a certain level of comfort then you're like am i really happy doing this no i think it's a i think it's a good point to bring up this whole concept of having a having dreams yeah i think it's 
I think it's afforded to you when you have comfortability. When you don't have a ton of disturbances on your current life or system, mm. then you can focus on those dreams that you want to have. You can live without them being tainted. Um, but when I had constant interruptions, I was like, this is the reality and I have to be able to support myself and these opportunities provide a way, which was the basic, I needed to support basic needs. Mm-hmm. Basic needs weren't met, I couldn't dream. Yeah. But I will say once I figured out a way to f- meet basic needs, yeah, I started to realize I wanted emotional growth and emotional growth led to what my dream is. What is your dream? I realized it was comedy. Can we talk about uh, what's coming up for you? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we better because I teased it last time. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, so among the 2012, the 2013, and the 2014 Mongol Rally, I was asked to be a pioneer for the Morocco Monkey Bike Run. Okay, so I mean, it, so it's not the inaugural run. Yeah, so they have these things where they'll ask you to like go ahead and like pioneer an adventure, which is just like there's no even less support than ever. Yeah. And they're going to have us use these small 50cc Honda, like, monkey, monkey bikes. bikes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know these. Wait, not like, isn't it like a Hobbit or something? I Can mean, you describe it? Because I don't know what a monkey bike is. I don't think most of our it's audience does. Worse, it's like a little pocket pocket scooter. Like a mini bike? Po- mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's even smaller. Really? It's not yeah. the little short one, is it? Yes. You can pick oh, up and yeah. run with these things. And we're going we're gonna to fly into Marquette, and we don't know. Michigan? Huh? No. <laughs> Remember your geography, Tom. Marquette, uh, Morocco. Okay. And then we're going to, yeah, sorry if I'm slaughtering these names, we're going to drive either up to Tangier, which would be the northern part of uh, Morocco. Yeah. Just right by the Gibraltar Strait. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to go down to the Western Sahara. What do you mean, or? You don't know yet? We don't know yet. We don't know those routes. Like, we're going to fly in. Oh. It's going to be all figured out. Oh, okay. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is basically like a mini bike. Yeah. But 50cc. So these speeds yes. are like, we're talking like, we're talking like 24 miles an hour, 34 miles an hour, 35 or something was the speeds I looked up. And and what is the distance you'll have unloaded. to traverse? Huh? What's the distance you're going to have to go, Thinking roughly? They want to do 1,000 kilometers. That's why, wow. that's why I'm a little worried that if it's going like, if it's going from Marquette to Tangier, that's only like five, 500 or so. And but if we go to the go down to the south, it's like we could definitely hit 1,000. So how many people are taking part in this, do you know? How many pioneers 20. are there? Oh, so it's a real small group. Yeah. Now that area, I've heard, you know, it's an area of some unrest, you know, maybe home to some... Uh, Morocco? Yeah. like yeah. Or like that area. I mean, you're getting into like the border of the Middle East. Um, when you get to the southern Morocco and like the western Sahara, you're going to get into some... Is How real is the danger of like ISIS or ISIL? Like, because I mean, they're known to be not... The activity down there, we don't quite know. Yeah. Because... This U.S. State Department coins everything to be that everything's a state of climate that there could be an uprising. Is it making you hesitant, or are there people? No, you know, are there, is there other people trying to talk you out of doing it? No, I think people have given up on that at this point. Okay, so people have tried to talk you out of doing it when it first was you bandied about. I think the first time I ever said I was going to do one of these, people said I was nuts, and then like mm. now it's just like us. Oh, you know, he just does this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your girlfriend's cool with it. My girlfriend and I met on the second Mongol rally. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. So was there any talk of her joining you on this rally? Or was uh, she, she not invited? Uh, she, would, she would love to come on the Morocco. It's basically anybody that could sign up and like get the afford the entry fee to get in. Oh, so, okay. And right now she, you know, she's a struggling artist. So What does she do? Ceramics, you said? Right now, yeah. She, 
she does her own art in her spare time. She's doing like a lot of fiber stuff right now. She okay. She's a really cool Afghan rug piece. Okay. It's like the side. So she can like sew an Afghan rug or? Uh, she did it with these very small crochet hooks. Okay. How long uh, does that take? Uh, it took her like two months to nail it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, she works at a coffee shop over in Windsor. Oh, okay. This is a record, by the way. I mean, we've gone like God, like two and a half hours. I don't even know we should do the improv at this point. Like, maybe we should. Like, you, you're going to have to be a two parter, Tom. Yeah, I'm going to make a decision and say we're going to have you back for sure. You know and what I actually, think, yeah, Tony? Yeah. I think maybe if he came on a year ago, he wouldn't have so many stories. No, I kind of think he would. No, yeah, you, you know, haven't even gotten in the current time period. Yeah. yeah. So I just to that is him, that Tony. is part one of. Uh, Tom Schultz. I mean, you are really fucking interesting, man. Yeah, I want I want you to come back. Yeah. We definitely want you to come back in one piece from Morocco and tell us the stories of that and I'll the be rally back. and uh, how you got into improv. Yeah. And My uh, mother's very interested in uh, Mongolia. She's yeah. going to go there in 2019. And oh, blacksmithing cool. and all these other things. Oh yeah, and, we haven't got that. Yeah, I know. There's just to, there's just not enough time in the on the podcast i mean There's our listeners are loyal but they have a they have, they a have limit. their limits yeah they have their limits we have uh out april 23rd to may 1st will be the rally okay Morocco. so come back and see us when uh yeah. when you get back but for now thank you so much tom schultz everybody let's hear it Woo! so tony do we have time for more uh we're gonna run through this real quick just because we we've gone super long is the fact of the week worth doing I mean, I got a good fact of the week for Tom because he has wandered around, been homeless a little bit. Okay. Uh, my fact of the week is that tramp means someone who only works when forced to a bum, doesn't work at all, and a hobo is a traveling worker. So I would say that for a while, Tom was a hobo. Okay. How do you feel about that, Tom? Sure. That comes from ho-boys, people that have a over their shoulder with a knapsack so i'm okay with that wow i didn't know that look at that our thanks guest, for the wow. support our guest, yeah our guest Ho-boys added on to the fact of the week that's yeah. amazing uh real quick here um let's see oh yeah so the sketch show just real quick get off book yeah we we asked our actors to get off book Brittany Michael, sorry, I didn't know your name last week, but we met today, and you're lovely, and uh, shout out to you. I don't even know if you know the, about the existence of this podcast or that we're discussing you. But She's going to learn. So, yeah, no, the cast was really great. Uh, we all learned our things about directing. We won't get into that, but it's been an informative experience, and to see your stuff really kind of start to come alive for the first time was an interesting experience mm-hmm. that we'll get more into next week. Uh, Andy Reid's going to be on next week, and I'm going to plug Aliens. I'm planning to see it this Saturday. <laughs> Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, there will be one weekend remaining. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. I, I've been hearing good things about it, uh, about him and Darren performing in it. And Doug, shout out to Doug as well. And uh, I think that's all we have time for this week. But it's been a great, really, uh, I think people will really enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed talking to you, Tom. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've settled our differences in some way. Though we'll probably go back to the banter. On a future episode, We'll probably I'll have, I'll have them read our text to each other. Tom's shaking his head. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But Tom, it's going to happen. Oh, and also uh shout out to uh Mr. S. He sent us a a very nice message saying that he has a family member who's sick and he's been driving back and forth to visit them and that our podcast really helped pass the time and that means a lot to us and uh just telling you to stay strong and uh let the road rise up to meet your feet. You're in my thoughts. Actually, your car. See, I ruined it. He was driving. Damn it. 
Anyway, Tony, if you didn't call it out, nobody would have noticed except yeah, but everybody. I, yeah, that's my personality. I have to call out myself. That's how you stay humble, guys. That's what my parents taught me. Anyway, until then, I am your host, Tony Augusti. Who, Who are we? <laughs> Why don't you let me finish? Because it was way more. You don't fun like this being way. interrupted when you're talking. Uh, I don't mind it actually. It happens a lot. Okay. I feel like I've done that to you. A lot. I I hate <laughs> when it's done maliciously to like ruin the show. I would not oh, say. Oh, like that. when I'm trying to say something. Serious no, we're not ruining the. That's show. That's not ruining the show either. though. We're no, giving color. I didn't think color. that was ruining the show either. Yeah, it sort of did. I mean, it didn't ruin the show, but it was like against the. It he, irritated you. Yeah, but I'm oh, not. Okay. When I interrupt somebody or I get interrupted and it's not in, meant in that case, then it's fine. But if okay. it's something he's deliberately trying to, you know, it's just like when you play like. Uh, like a game when you're a kid and you're, you're, you're like, you know, asshole friend is like, mess up, mess up. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. I didn't want you to mess up, Tony. I just wanted to add some color. Okay. I'm not going to get into a argument. Anyway, for <laughs> the wizard, Jim Harper, I guess I'll say the warrior, John Yar, and the maiden true, Heather Anonymous, the finish line uh, beckons. I'm your host, Tony Augusti, thanking Tom Schultz. Woo! Saluting Boss for uh, his valiant effort, which will be cut out and never spoken about again. Oh, I'm glad Saying, you called it out. Play us out, Jim. After improv, Mongol rally.